You think you broke your toe? Yeah. In lockdown. In lockdown, yeah. So That's impressive. <laughs> my brother, Chris, personal trainer, if you are looking for some home workouts to do, he had posted some on his uh, Instagram, at mm-hmm. the Wellbeing PT, mm-hmm. And me being me, was like, yeah, I'll skip the beginner. I'll skip the intermediate. Let's go straight to the advanced. Yeah. And one of the first ones in the advanced is a handstand push-up. Ooh. Now, James... I don't know if you've ever tried one, but I did try. You tried yesterday. Yes, I I, I did uh, yesterday uh, last night. Tried a handstand push up against the door. Yeah, yeah. Now, what happened after that can only be described as a catastrophe, a calamity. <laughs> oh, as I did the handstand, hit, hit my heels off the door. The door was slightly ajar, oh, and so no. with the force of me hitting the door, the door shut. I lost my balance fell off like dramatically to the left and clattered my feet off the radiator and my foot started bleeding as soon as it happened genuinely thought i've broken my foot here i'm gonna have to go to hospital because i've broken my foot from doing a handstand (laughs) which is not the best time to be needing to go anywhere well exactly so i i basically went to the shower and cold showered my foot that does repair broken bones to be fair cold yes. showered my foot for about 10 yeah. minutes yeah <laughs> it just sutures the bones back together that cold water does <laughs> and all it did was it stopped the bleeding but my foot is very swollen and uh, my yeah second to break. My, my index toe i think my index toe is purple and swollen wait do we call it, them it, index toes or are you just <laughs> are you just being flexible here with language i'm being flexible in the least literal sense I wonder of the word if the toes uh, do the toes have colloquial names they will similar they will to, have some sort of aside from colloquial like, fun name all of them being called this little piggy okay <laughs> it's got your big toe this little piggy yeah so it's it's still very sore i can bend it but anytime i do it hurts so i don't i think it's fine However, it was a it was a good story and something yeah. un coronavirus related to kick us off with. Certainly, certainly a very dramatic story. Hopefully, something that goes away without, like you know, actually being long term damaged because that could <laughs> that could hurt. The annoying thing though, James, is that it means I can't go for my daily run now that my daily government appointed. Oh, run. your daily one exercise. <laughs> yeah, so that's less fun because. Of course I wanted to go out for my go daily... Go for a daily government-approved hop. <laughs> hop around the block. Okay, I'll do that instead. And see if the, see if the coppers are tallying up how many times you go past them or something. Well, see, technically I left the house three times yesterday. Now, I know that's admitting to breaking the breaking the law. Or break, breaking is, the is advice. Is the law yet? The advice. The first time, I went to the shop and bought a chicken. That sounds important. That's, that's within the, the law. And uh, had a whole ch- roasted a whole chicken. Yeah. And then I left the second time. Yeah. Because I had to put the bins out. That's important too. This is getting. This is getting. This is going on shaky ground here. You're getting risky. Yeah. The surveillance state is definitely noting those down. Colin's GPS pip has room has gone out with his flat. <laughs> and then the third time, I decided to go for a wee walk. That's and exercise. I was like, yeah. Yeah, but I don't. But some the, the policeman or the FBI agent on my phone's going to be like, "Yo, you already went on a walk <laughs> GCHQ, today." GCHQ, they're like, "It's his third time. One more, and we'll get it." So you know, where do you draw the line, James? Where do you draw the line? Well, with, at reasonableness. So those are all reason, right? 
that's all fine. And it was all solo as well. Yeah, no. So if you went for your wee walk and you met up with some people and you started doing like a mass group hug, the police would have swooped in, <laughs> broken that <laughs> hug up with tear gas, kicked it over. Well, thankfully, I, I avoided doing that. Although, yeah. I must say, the co-op in Glasgow's East End, just off Alexander Parade, have essentially taken what look like highlighter pens or whiteboard markers and drawn right. or written the word, phrase, two metres all over the shop. Like, it's just, it's on the glass partitions that you pull back to get your frozen stuff. Wait. It's on the floor. Right. It's just everywhere. Just 2M, 2M, Have they 2M. actually, like, drawn a grid or does it just say that? It just says that. They haven't drawn a grid, although that might be the next step. Yeah, they might be drawing a grid. A grid would be useful. They should also have, like, 10 metre distance marked as well, just in case of a, a sneeze occurrence, so everyone can quickly <laughs> evacuate to a 10 metre distance. Oh, man. Until the sneeze falls. Seesaw Parade, episode 198. Oh, the boy. day draws ever closer to the big 200, with J- which, James, Man. unfortunately, are long-mooted plans to have a party for episode 200. Literally illegal. It's just not going to happen. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. It's, not, it's no longer are we being just kindly advised to self-isolate. If we had a party, it would be shut down. Absolutely. We'd be cancelled on Twitter. That would be terrible. Imagine. So we're we're gonna just we're just gonna be just a normal podcast. Yeah. On the two hundo. Uh, well, I'm Colin. Yeah. Self uh, self isolating in Deniston, and he's James. Yeah. Also self isolating, not in Deniston. <laughs> and uh, welcome to Scotland's least old podcast, the longest running uh, podcast with a season one of 198 episodes at this point in time. Season two whoa, coming whoa, soon. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Season one is just from episode 100 onwards. The early other bits were like a pilot season. Right. So the pilot season and then the last 98 episodes. To be fair, I don't know the last thing which had a 98 episode season one. So I think we're still winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. But yes, thank you for listening. You probably have very little choice because what else are you going to do in this time of crisis? Pandemic, holy. (laughs) I mean, it's not like you've got Netflix or Disney Plus or Amazon Prime or HBO or any of those aforementioned shows. Disney rolling out their Disney Plus to the UK at just the right time. I both here tell you what they're they are delighted that the pandemic is hit now. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna make up for their cruise ships all getting grounded. (laughs) Hopefully forever. Cruise industry needs to die. We're going to talk some coronavirus headlines, and then we'll get on to the likes of Prince Charles, Alex <laughs> Salmond, and also what we've been watching yeah, this yeah, week. There's a lack of there's a lack of diversity yet again in the planned <laughs> run order. So you know, it's, I mean, there's there's more than there was in the last episode, but that's because the last episode it really was, it was all the big, consuming, big Corona day, and it was also oddly enough. As we expected, the big Corona day on the day where all the stuff we talked about was going to become irrelevant because the UK government did this big statement 
like an hour after we finished recording or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and there's been endless statements since. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's some episodes that we put out and I can still tweet them three or four days after because it's still relevant. Whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. genuinely maybe six hours had passed and half of the show was completely null and void. It was insane. We're like trying to figure out what the government's going to do. And then they, they just changed their mind. <laughs> right. Well, well, let's start with that. The fact that, James, we are now essentially in lockdown. <gasps> Boris Johnson announced on Monday evening that you would only be allowed outside for your one permitted form of daily exercise. Uh, yeah, plus v- or to do necessary things. Getting vital supplies from shops, which yeah. you know define vital. We'll get to that. And also, if you absolutely, utterly had to be at work, also you had... you. Got a chance to go. Yeah, if you're working in a key industry and you have to be there, which turns out every single business in the world sees itself as a key industry. Correct. <laughs> including Sports <laughs> All their Direct. All employees as super important, including Sports Direct, the big, the big gaff. And then the uh, Rishi Sunak announced that the government would be covering 80% of workers who'd been furloughed or, or laid off yeah. by Somewhat businesses. embarrassing all the businesses that had already fired their entire staff to, I don't know if they're going to rehire their staff or not, but you know. I don't know. We'll find out. But that was a, um, what's suggested to be a £330 billion economic stimulus package. Funny how they have all the money all of a sudden to do things for the people. (laughs) That's strange. Really odd. And then today, this is one part of the show, which will be null and void, expected to hear for about some financial help for freelancers, for the self-employed. Because currently it's just, you can apply for universal credit if you go unemployed. Yes, which is if you're a £94 a week, which is not even enough to cover rent. Yes, and which has a waiting queue. So that's happening today as well. Around 5 million people in the UK are self-employed, so a big sector to provide assistance for. Right. Shall we shall we dig into that a wee bit or are we well, just going to blast through them and then dig into them individually? Well, let's let's start with that one actually because it is the one that's going to change today. Yeah. Do you ex- what do you expect to happen James because I certainly have something which I've seen from Ireland which I believe would work here but I'll let you tell me what you think first. Well, a lot of people are saying that they should just roll out universal credit not just to the self-employed but to everybody for the next wee while. So everybody gets this, the same basic amount just given to them because the government knows where we are. Yep. They know all these things. They don't need us to sign up to a site like they're asking us to right now, which is like thousands and thousands of people on a waiting list. Um, they, they can just do this. It's the fastest way to get money where it needs to be to the people who are really running low um, and who maybe don't have the time or the ability to sign up. Um, I don't think the government will do that, but because I've said that, they might. Um, I'd be very pleased if it did because it is just the quickest way to do things even if you have to add some rent control and you have to add some market control to make sure that everybody just doesn't up their prices because of the free money that got handed out. What I expect they'll do is a similar thing to the 80% where they're going to say we'll pay you a certain amount of whatever wages you claimed last year in taxes or the previous year in taxes. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and only if you're proving that you're not making that money right now, which again, like that is good. That's fine. Uh, the people who will need the money will eventually get it. The problem is that with the more you have to prove and the more you have to 
uh, show numbers and stuff, the longer it's going to take. So the more people are going to be left wanting for a week or two weeks or, or who knows how long, because it's a government thing. So probably months, at which point it'll be hopefully over. Okay, so what they're doing in Ireland is reportedly those who are self-employed and can prove that they're self-employed are being given €350 a week, regardless of their prior income. Yeah. Which, to me, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because 94 quid a week for universal credit, it's simply... It just It's just not enough. Well, it's, it's, it's way below. freakishly low. We talked about this last week. The UK's, like, statutory sick pay slash... Um, your credit amount is yeah freakishly low for the for like the EU in general. So it's not it's not acceptable. Is this like three hundred and fifty amount that you're seeing in Ireland? Is that for people who can prove that they've lost their money? No. Or is that just for everybody who's self-employed? That's for everybody who's self-employed. Now you see that I would like that because I am self-employed and I haven't lost my job and yep. I would just like the extra money. But that makes me feel like I'm a bad person. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's 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 a difficult one. I, I'm I'm unaware of the ins and outs of how that works. Yeah. How Leo Varadkar has rolled that out in Ireland. However, I know that that's what they've done as a blanket announcement. Yeah. So whether that is something similar that they're going to do here, I mean, the discussion was particularly in the US, and this may actually be happening. Yeah. That everybody in the country will be given something like twelve hundred dollars, just as a twelve hundred, two thousand. There's a lot of numbers. Yeah. Here you go. Here's money. It's for every yeah. single person in the US great have it the point is that right now all travel is locked down for a fairly long time yes so if you give everybody free money it's not going anywhere it's going to come right back into the system right yeah so it's not really f free money we're not we're, it's not like taxpayer money being getting spent and disappearing it's taxpayer money getting sent recirculated and becoming taxpayer money again okay all of these things generally work if you give money to people who can't travel which is usually the poor people and is now everybody. If you give money to people who can't travel, it just is an economic stimulant. So long as there's rules about rent control and so long as there's rules about not like price gouging and stuff like that, it's it's just a good policy to do. Right. So right now, it should be open to, to allow it. As I said, the money's not going to go to Italy or it's not going to go to Spain. It's going to stay here even if it could be really useful in Italy and Spain. So let's move on then, because that is something which is going to change today. Let's talk about something which is staying the same for the next three weeks, and that is the lockdown policy that's been enacted in the UK. Boris Johnson announced that on Monday, about 10 days after, maybe a week after, the initial announcement, which was avoid pubs, clubs, restaurants, and travel, which is now... Mm -hmm. Absolutely stay inside at all costs. Whatever you do, don't go outside. James, yeah. this is a radical change from what the UK's policy had been originally. And it's something that we discussed on the previous episode. We discussed the herd immunity. That now seems to be totally disregarded and discarded. Tell me, what do you make of this U-turn of policy? Well, it shows that there was disagreement within the science, right? Because as much as I like to mock the government for just, like, making its own decisions, not listening to anyone, they definitely had scientific advice behind their decisions. And what they had was about half the scientists saying, we need to go full lockdown right now to avoid the NHS getting flooded and to avoid unnecessary deaths. And they had about half the scientists saying, hey... 
the UK is experiencing things differently um, to the rest of the world. Look at these numbers that are coming out. Um, we don't have to lock down. We might not have to lock down if we can just tell everybody to stay indoors. So then some more studies were done that showed the UK is actually just like everybody else and is experiencing exponential growth. And we really should have taken advantage of the uh, head start that we had to lock down. And it's maybe now just too late and we're going to have the same path that Italy did. And then we also saw that when the government advises not to go on mass gatherings and to avoid pubs and stuff like that, that some shady businessmen were saying that, no, it's fine to go to pubs and we'll do sales and discounts if you come to the pub. And we had like huge amounts of people going to pubs because they were all off work. And then on the weekend, it was sunny. So everybody went to all of exactly the same places. The beaches were getting flooded. Okay. Uh, everywhere that was like touristy was getting flooded by us. Let, let me stop you there just to ask about that point in particular, because you're right. It was a sunny weekend, probably the first one of the year. And the pictures I saw, people were essentially treating it like a bank holiday. Yeah. Is, is that then a question of the British attitude towards things like this? Now, bear in mind, this is an unprecedented time, the first global pandemic in all our lifetimes. But people would say, ah, but the, the South Koreans are, and Japanese, they're much more in the, the realm of obedience and listening to the authorities, whereas in Britain, we're a bit like, yeah, we'll do what we want. Is that fair? I think that we forget that in the UK, as much as we've got this, like, dictatorial surveillance state and as much as we've got uh, a lot of the powers uh, tracking us they do like to let us do things we are pretty free here and people are used to that freedom and um, this is one of the big points that Boris made in his speech was like Britain does not like taking away social liberties but here we are doing it and people are just used to it and the gener the big generation that we have right now is a generation of people that grew up after the war but that can still talk about how difficult things were in the war, but they didn't actually have to experience it. So they're now going through a thing that doesn't seem as important or as difficult as the war. So why on earth should we sit down in our houses where we can go out and about? And it's a lot of just a lack of a care for themselves in the world, but just probably because it doesn't feel like a big threat to them. Um, whereas other countries like Japan, like South Korea, are more used to being asked to do things and being asked to live in certain ways and whether that's culturally or because of dramatic shifts in the way that their countries work since wars and stuff like that um i can't really say but it's 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 more just the different cultures are reacting differently but then at the same time people are, are really dumb in general across the world it's just people are dumb they don't really see this as a thing that's going to affect them until it's too late. And we've seen that as the virus has spread from China everywhere else, people are being asked to quarantine and they have not. And that's happened in every country that I've heard. And people are um, en masse being asked to quarantine and there's still parties. There's still parties in America. Spring break happened and everybody went for their spring break. Yeah. So I think when we first talked about it, I, I did the dumb thing where I forgot how stupid people are not how stupid each individual person is people like an individual is usually relatively smart but when it's something global and when it's something massive everybody is dumb that's just how it works and then the government did the same thing they forgot how dumb we all are because if they tell us hey you stay indoors we're gonna go oh everybody else needs to stay indoors but i can do what i want but i can go outside yeah, yeah. 
And that's just what people do. Right, let's move on. Before we talk about Prince Charles, the Olympics and Paralympic Games in Tokyo have been postponed until 2021. This was, to me, James, inevitable because by the looks of things, this is going to roll on for quite a few months. Through the summer, for sure, yeah. Um, so Canada pulled out the day before that. I they think. did, yeah. And that might have been that might have been the the last tick in the boxes. They were waiting for one of the major countries to just say we're not going anyway. Speaking of countries and away from the world of sports, Spain is now the the country with the second highest tally of deaths in the world. Yeah, ahead of China, just bef- just behind uh, Italy. Now this is again based on the figures which have been given by the relevant countries. Yeah, all of whom are probably not got the full picture. Yeah, China say that 3,285 people have died. Uh, Spain is now at 3,434, whereas Italy is almost double that. Yeah. James, do you believe, for example, the fact that uh, China say that only 3,200 have died, despite the fact the the virus has been there since the tail end of last year? Um, Given China's history of um, openness with internal affairs. I, I doubt that that's the actual number. I'm not going to be a conspiracy theorist and say it must be in the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Rah, 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 all that. Um, I doubt they could hide that. Especially they probably couldn't hide that from all the intelligence agencies of the world. Exactly. We might have a, we might have a whiff by now if it was that bad. Um, but, the, but again, it, it, we can harken back to the social liberties thing. People in China don't really have the liberty to ignore the government um, if they ignore the government they in trouble and we were seeing picture uh, images of that from the get-go people that were out and about were getting like shepherded into boxes and stuff like that um, whereas in uh, Europe it didn't really happen and it didn't really happen fast enough and people are saying that we left it too long the coronavirus got too widespread before we even knew and potentially like large percentages of a, of each country were actually infected before we had our first known case. Um, and in Spain in particular, I saw that there's news that there are entire like elderly care homes that are just abandoned. The staff stopped going there. Yeah. And all the old folks that um, were in there uh, either had corona and um, passed from it or have since died because they couldn't take care of themselves. So in Spain, it's, it's certainly honesty about the numbers situation but also a huge mismanagement situation as far as I, I i i believed that we had a head start that we could lock down soon enough to to handle this situation i thought the whole of the of europe and america and all of these so-called developed countries uh, had the had the heads up to actually manage to lock down and only have a few cases and deal with it but nobody did lock down nobody did anything we all just watched the head start disappear Everybody got infected anyway, and now we're seeing massive numbers come out of countries that could have had really small numbers. Speaking of people who ought to have known better, the Prince of Wales has tested positive for coronavirus. So, oh, yeah. 71-year-old Prince Charles is displaying mild symptoms, according to the BBC, but otherwise remains yeah, yeah, in yeah. good health, adding that the Duchess of Cornwall has been tested but does not have the virus. Yeah, if if he's only displaying mild symptoms, how how did he get tested? Because well, James, here's I thought I thought it was only if it was an emergency. Here's what we're segueing on to. So the Duke and Duchess arrived in Scotland on Sunday. They're isolating in Balmoral, in Aberdeenshire. I know, right? 
Yeah, we'll come back to that in a second. Yeah, Charles had been displaying mild symptoms over the weekend and was tested by the NHS on Monday. Mm -hmm. The results came through on Tuesday, showing he was positive. But yes, James, you are indeed raising a very good point here because the whole argument has been that testing just isn't happening unless it is absolutely vital, unless you're clearly in a life or death situation. If you're an at-risk patient and you're showing clear signs that you've got something awful. So now there's been a denial that Prince Charles jumped the queue or got preferential treatment. Oh, he didn't jump the queue. Which is an interesting form of words. James, Yeah, it's just a lie. What do you make of all this? He's just one of the riches. He's just one of the important people. So, of course, he got tested first. Just like how we're seeing sports teams getting in, getting tested first. Just like how we're seeing members of parliament getting tested first. And granted, members of parliament, you can make an argument for. They're kind of like the ones that have to do the stuff to minimize this. But if you're rich, you're going to get tested no matter what. It doesn't matter if he's royalty or not. He's got money. So he was going to get tested easy peasy. He could have he bought a kit himself. It's just the the scummy um, way that they frame it, how the whole nation has to be patriotic and not panic and not get tested unless they need it, unless you're one of the riches, in which case you can get tested just whenever you want. Um, and I, it, just, it just makes the rest of us look and feel small. We're insignificant because we can't get tested unless it's desperate, but look at everybody who can. Why can they? Because they've been deemed more important. He's also traveled unnecessarily while showing symptoms yes that's an important point so he's breaking two rules we've been told not to travel at all we've been told especially not to travel if we're showing symptoms of a thing and he took his symptoms from wherever he was let's assume buckingham all the way up to balmoral is he going to get in trouble for that he should he'd be slapped with a fine well he was maybe flown doesn't matter if he was flown he arrived somewhere else and became a new center for the disease give him a fine (laughs) yeah Boris, fine the Prince of Wales. Fine him. No, f- like, for real. Like, because we, the government, the Scottish government was telling us and was begging people from down south, all those rich folks out of their holiday homes, they were saying, please do not self-isolate somewhere f- aside from where you are right now. Yeah. Because it's just a way to even more quickly spread the disease to those rural communities who do not have the means to handle it because they don't have fancy hospitals there. And then we've got the mascot of the nation doing exactly what the government's saying is telling everybody not to. So what's that going to do? It's just going to encourage all the rest of the riches to do exactly the same thing. Okay, let's move on before we talk Alex Salmond and what we've been watching. Over to the States where Donald Trump has been just on fine form recently in terms of a string of ridiculous things he's come out with. This most recent one, yesterday, Donald Trump said he hoped the US will shake off coronavirus by Easter, yep. which is just over a fortnight away, yep. even as the New York governor sounded the alarm that the illness is spreading faster than a bullet train yeah. in his state. So the president told the White House news uh, briefing that reopening the US early in April would be a beautiful timeline. And this was uh, just hours before the Senate agreed a $2 trillion economic rescue plan with the White House. So the deal is expected to be uh, passed by the Senate, was passed by the Senate, and now it's going through the other stages before it becomes law. James, what's happening in the States? What's your view? Uh, it's just a similar situation to the UK, wherein 
the government isn't doing enough. And they've got different reasons because they're ignoring the science and they're ignoring the numbers and they're not doing enough. Whereas over here, there was just apparently discord in the community. But this is just another thing on Trump's record of statements that are really underselling the virus. Because all along, he's been a month behind the things that he needed to be saying. Uh, in late January, he was saying that it's not even a thing, it's just a hoax. And Feb he's kept that up through February as the numbers kept going up. So, of course, now he's just saying, hey, it's going to be fine in two weeks. We're, gonna, it's gonna, we're, we're all going to get past this whole thing. It's going to be great because he doesn't really know things. And people just pretend that he knows things and pander to him and hope that he doesn't say anything too dumb. But he does. He says a lot of really dumb stuff. Um, and he does, at the same time, have some people within his teams who are making the right calls. So we're talking about economic stimulus yep. that is directed at not Trump businesses and not Trump's family's businesses. And that's good. But then we're also looking at the, the, the Americans have given exclusive rights of a potential um, treatment to one drug company, which is maybe the dumbest thing you can do. Wow. If you invent a vaccine to a pandemic, you probably don't want it to be copyrighted. You probably want to be a good person and just make it free for all to, to produce and, and distribute. Does that sound like the American way, though? Oh, no, yeah. The American way is businesses get to do what they want exclusively. Um, the, the American dream is great for rich people that have businesses. <laughs> okay. Um, so we're going to see bigger numbers from America. There's some, some states are in lockdown already. Some states are enacting huge, huge measures to try and control it. Others aren't because they're leaning more into following what the top governmental officials are saying. And the top governmental officials are still a wee bit behind, um, and it's just every single country in the world has squandered all the time that we had because China did tell us about this. They did. Not very soon. They didn't tell us soon enough, but they did tell us months before we've started doing stuff about it. And we're going to see like huge, I reckon Brazil's going to be m a massive mess um, because their president's insane and is and is, has yep. been in denial as well. I say, it says it's a, a media fake fake news yeah. thing. Um, Russia is going to be big. They're they're saying that they've got barely any cases, but their number of reported pneumonia cases are are going up exponentially. Which they have also delayed a vote on allowing Putin to be president forever. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. Which is meant, um, which is the mental the fact that they're having a. I'm doing my air quotes here. Vote on this. Yeah, vote. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're going to see poor responses from every country in the world. Um, and then the the ones that don't are going to be the nice shining little beacons of hope. Because there are some countries that have done this right. There are some countries that went on lockdown before they desperately needed to. And they're showing that that was the right move. Okay, James, time to step away from COVID-19 yes. and talk about other things. The major talking point in the world of news this week in Scotland has been former First Minister Alex Salmond being cleared of all sexual assault charges. Yep. So he was on trial. Nine women had accused him of sexual assault whilst he was the most powerful politician in the country. Mm -hmm. A jury found him not guilty on 12 of the charges and another was found not proven yeah. and a further charge had been dropped by prosecutors. Mr. Salmon had insisted he was innocent throughout the entire uh, trial and was at the end of his trial, stood in the steps of the High Court in Edinburgh and talked about how his faith 
in the Scottish justice system had been restored. Yeah. Words to that effect. James, there's a lot to unpick here. Legally, Mr. Salmond is a free man. He has been acquitted yeah. of these charges. However, yeah. it does raise some difficult questions. For example, there's two sides to this. The first one is the people who say this was a political stitch up the whole time. No. And someone was just, people were just out to get Mr. Salmond, which yeah, I yeah, yeah. am very doubtful of to start with. The other, more dangerous side of that coin is nine women had, with each of their stories, had their tales of Mr. Salmon's behavior. Mm-hmm. And now he's been acquitted of the charges of sexual assault. Now, his defense counsel said, Mr. Salmon has been an idiot. He's behaved foolishly. However, he's not sexually assaulted yep. anybody. So he's been like creepy and predatory, but it's not been assault. Yeah. What message does his acquittal and the fact that these nine women who've come through what must have been an incredibly harrowing process to get to this stage, what message does that send to would-be victims out there about yeah. when you something horrendous has happened to you and after all of this rigmarole... The man walks free. There's there is a lot to this. The the first thing is that it is an, another highlight of the weakness within the Scottish legal system, wherein it is really hard to convict on like sexual assault yeah. and predatory stuff because it becomes a bit of a case of he said, she said, slash they said, they said. Precisely. Um. So the first big lesson to learn is like evidence pretty quick. You don't want to just be relying on your own word and your own testimony. You want you want to know for sure if you if you have witnesses that can um, stand up and say that what you're saying is true. Because it turns out that the prosecution didn't really have witnesses um, on their side, whereas the defense did. The defense of witnesses that said, "Hey, some of the things on the prosecution side are just outright lies." And if you can get some sort of a physical evidence, even, like even better. So when there's physical evidence and when there's witnesses, the cases are pretty strong in Scotland. But when it just becomes a um, word of mouth situation, it's really hard to get those charges through. So even someone as openly predatory, apparently, yep. as Salmond was, and his who openly like just persuading people to partake in strange behaviours, even that can't get can't get any sort of a charge and it might put people off trying to prosecute but really this is more of a question for the prosecution who and who whoever decided that this was worthy of being in court yet everybody on on the prosecution side and everybody up the the up in the journey towards court should have been saying hey we need more evidence hey we need more witnesses and one of the sad things is that the defense found it so easy to point out the flaws wherein they had uh-huh. proof that some of the people on the prosecution side were actually colluding their stories just to make sure they got their stories straight and that might be something you want to do you you, you we all feel the need to make sure that we're saying the same thing as the people uh, who went through our experiences but even if you are just like making sure that you remember it correctly you still don't do that because it comes across real poorly um so it just seems like a whole big mess from the prosecution side getting us to court as soon as they did without getting any sort of evidence that is actually going to be upheld. I don't think I don't think there's a room for appeals or anything really. Simon's, no. Simon's free now. But nobody's really happy. 
I'm sure there's a lot of Scottish nationalists who really like the guy that are super pleased that he's been not proven innocent, but proven to be not guilty, mostly because the media and because all sorts of big names were calling this the death of the SNP and the death of the independence movement. And yep. he'd been decided like very publicly that he was definitely guilty all along and that it would be the end of everything. So it'll be a big relief for them. But it just shows that in terms of people who are sad, there's a lot of people who really want him to go down. I don't really know why. Um, you have to trust the legal system. But it shows, uh, reminds us again that the legal system has its weaknesses. And that's a shame. Um, because some of the defense was basically admitting, hey, he did these things. But it was just stupidity, not evil intent. And it's like, whoa, uh, yeah, that's still pretty bad. <laughs> I guess the point that Gordon Jackson QC, who was Salmon's defense counsel, was making was... Yeah, he was predatory or he was creepy. He did creepy stuff. He did bad stuff, but it wasn't illegal. Yeah, basically. Which is hardly a, a winning defense, but that's what they went for. Yeah, and it, and, it, and it works because they couldn't prove that he, he did anything illegal. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just a bit of a, it's a, bit of a big mess. Uh, so like, I, I wouldn't say anyone should really be cheering this result because he was doing real, real creepy things. Yeah. <laughs> and they admitted it. It's on the record. Okay. But the prosecution really had nothing to stand on in terms of, like, legality. James, let's finish up with some lighter discussions about what we've been watching Ooh. over the last week, 10 Ooh. days. Now, James, before all these actual enforcement bans came into place, I did see one movie at the cinema, along with four other people in total. Oh, wow. Did you all sit side by side holding hands? <laughs> we did not. In rebellion? And, uh, nope. There was uh, there were about three rows separating everybody. And I've also finished two season ones of two very old shows. What would you like to hear first? Let's hear about your cinema experience. Okay, so I went to see the new Pixar film, Onwards. Now, you may not oh, even wow, have heard yeah. of the fact that Pixar have a new film. They got a new film. But they it's do. It's a pair of trousers. <laughs> it's, uh, it's about... Essentially, Yes. It's about a land full of magical creatures and people who are kind of elves and gnomes and a, a land where the use of magic and wands and spells have long been forgotten and everyone just drives cars and uses phones and watches TV. Yeah. So, you know, parallels with the real world, except we don't actually have any any real magic. Well, uh, we think we don't. Well, we th exactly. But the, you've got the magic in you, James. Yeah, I might reanimate some trousers one day. So this is, uh, the, the story is Chris Pratt, who is the older brother, and uh, Tom Holland, who is the younger brother, yeah. out to rediscover the magic and bring back their dead father. Yeah. Who, who at the start of the film, they managed to reanim reanimate half of their father, yeah, which is why he is just a pair of trousers, and they, like they did well, like halfway there is a pretty good start. Yeah, and, and so obviously the rest of the film is about getting the MacGuffin to the end of the movie, in which the the full dad will be unveiled. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, and the thing is, right? So here's my here's my thoughts because you will likely not see this film for quite some time. Well, it's already coming out in streaming services. Is it? Yeah, they're they're bashing it out super quick. You might see it sooner then. Yeah, it's as a film, it is fine. Mm -hmm. It is a really intriguing movie in as much as the sum of its parts. So you know the individual scenes, 
the voice acting, the animation, the jokes, the visual gags, all of those things, they're all just kind of okay. Yeah. However, the finale is excellent, which ah. almost makes up for the fact that everything else is a bit subpar. Which is okay. It, it was it was just a very unusual movie because at the very end there was I had watery eyes. Wasn't crying, just had watery eyes. <laughs> watery eyes. But and the damp and the damp eyes. The the movie had at that point, just at the very end, it, I was like, right, you you've got me now. Okay, fine. But up until that point, it was just a bit like, yeah. Is it because? Is it because at the end of the movie they just switch it and it's just the top half of the dad screaming in pain for like ten minutes, <laughs> <laughs> complete agony that like he's cut off at the waist but not able to die. No, it's um, the boys. It, um, this is my big guess. You cannot make any noises because it will spoil it for anybody who might care. The big, the big is that the boys just they let go. They let the dad die. No, they, it's they, not. They actually. let it all rest. At no. Oh man, because that would be my ending. So the end no, the ending that they go with is actually it works. It does work. It's well done. It's comparable <laughs> to the end of Frozen. The original Frozen. Right, yeah. Uh which yeah. is less about, you know, the would-be figure in their lives and actually who do they really have? Who's been by their side all this time? Oh yay, have a hug. Um this doesn't feel like a Pixar film. It well it is, and it's not because and this will sound like a criticism, and it's meant to. The film is basically a DreamWorks animated film, apart from the end, at which point it feels more like Pixar. Yeah, it sounds like some somebody else's attempts to to make Pixar films. Yeah, so I, I'd give this like a solid seven. If you're if you have small children and will happily sit for ninety minutes watching a film that might make them cry, and will definitely keep yeah. them entertained, yeah, yeah, watch it. Yeah, but you know, Pixar have also made Cars too, so. <laughs> That's very true. James, have you watched anything? Uh, I haven't finished anything. I'm watching a, quite a fair bunch of things. Nice. Okay, I'm going to feel to... like... Wait, no. Wait. Wait. I did I did finish something. I finished American Gods Season 2. Oh, right. TV just just give me a recap of what this is. Is this Anthony Hopkins or am I making that up? You're making that up. <laughs> uh, it's Ian McShane. Ian McShane, that's who it is. Being... I almost forget. I, I'm glad I remembered a name for once. Um, being an American God. Odin. Right. Um, it's basically just, there's a, there's a gods in America, because that's how gods work in this world. If you believe in them, they kind of exist. So, um, and there's there's now a battle going to be happening between the old gods, like all your old gods of war from different religions, and the new gods, which are basically technology and infrastructure, all that stuff that we use daily. So they get a lot of power because we use them every day. Um, so it's just a build up to the war still. It feels like we've had two seasons of there's going to be a war. Let's recruit people to our side. And they've not actually had a war yet. The war hasn't started yet. They've been successfully recruiting people. But it, at this point, I am impatient for something to happen that they've been promising. Okay. As much as I, it's not, I don't need it because the characters are pretty great. The stories are pretty great. All the like the little story arcs that happen for all the different people. I'm enjoying it all, uh -huh. um, and it's interesting to see all the different gods interacting and doing stuff. Um, but they, they've been promising a war. They've been promising a resolution, and they're drawing it out. And every time a like it's, I turn out a season, the first thing I do is like check if there's another season or another season in the works. <laughs> Not because I am loving the show and it's a 10 out of 10, but because I, I want to know if they've just cancelled it because everybody's bored. And have they cancelled it? No, it's getting another season. Ah. And I really hope they just resolve the main story storyline. 
Um, and this is all based off like Neil Gaiman's works, and he's real good. He's he's real good, and he's actually super involved in writing the show, so okay. we can trust it to be good. But I I don't like having to be this patient for the thing that was told to us at the start of the show, episode one. Here's what's going to happen, uh, and it still hasn't. And it still hasn't happened. There's barely been any, and it, there's barely been anything, and it feels like they're constantly teasing it. So every episode doesn't just say, "Hey, this is going to happen eventually." This it, they're trying to make it sound like it's going to happen right now. The war is going to start right, <laughs> right now. now. They keep having lines like, "The war's begun," and "Oh, the first steps of the war have." Have taken place. Okay. And big things do happen. There's big dramatic moments and huge developments, but you know, it still just feels it feels like it, it just needs to be a bit less pushy about the war. Right. Or just get it done with. To... Wait, wait, wait. Also, don't watch it with your kids. Major, major don't watch it with your kids or parents. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Uh, before yeah. we finish up, I've watched two season ones of two very old shows. The first one being The Office. US version. Now, I've never seen... Ah, clunky season one. I've never actually watched The Office. But now, it's on Prime, I've got time, and here we go. Yeah. You know, some breezy six 20-minute episodes. Here's my initial thoughts. This season one, and I I know that the show gets better, season one is erratic. Mm -hmm. It's funny in parts, but Steve Carell's character of Michael Scott is deeply unlikable at this point yeah. now i know that that will change and he'll become more goofy and less of an he'll become just an absolute d-bag but in terms of this first episode first season i'm just like dude i'm like am i meant to like you no because yeah, no because if i'm not then it's working because i don't i absolutely yeah. do not like that character in season one he's just a horrible man yeah so it is based season one is really more thematically based on the uk show right in which the boss is just not likable and is embarrassing yeah. and doesn't really do anything good. So from then on, they kind of realize, hey, we can just Americanize this a bit, make it more hopeful, make it more innocent, and people will love it. Which so, I suspect is going to happen in, as the show progresses. Yeah. It, it, okay. Yeah, there's a bit of a shift. You'll, you'll, you'll notice. And the other show that myself and Graham have been watching for the last six months, we finally finished it, Dark Angel. Now, this is a show hmm. from the year... 2000 <gasps> and it's a james cameron show with jessica alba a long time ago <laughs> jessica alba in her breakthrough role as a genetically enhanced super soldier right. who escapes from a covert military facility as a child okay. and is now living in a futuristic seattle in the year 2020 ah. where civilization get this civilization has crumbled and society is collapsing is it, did it crumble because of a pandemic? Uh, no, it, it, it crumbled because of something called the pulse, which knocked out every sort of electrical... Oh, uh, like a big solar flare. Big solar flare, yeah. So right, yeah, yeah, in yeah. this world, uh, Jessica Alba, by day, uh, is a bicycle courier. Ah. And by night, is attempting to take, you know, take down the military bad guys who brainwashed her and made her this terrible soldier yeah. person. This sounds like such a jigsaw puzzle of a show. It is. And I, by that, I don't mean like it's super confusing. I mean, like, it just feels like someone took TV show, the jigsaw puzzle and put it together exactly like on the box. <laughs> I tell you what, it's actually season one. It's a, it's a fun show. I have actually enjoyed it. Hey. Jessica Alba's performance is about as good as you would see from Jessica Alba, as you can imagine in mm-hmm. any sort of mm-hmm. t- TV show. She, she is, plays Jessica. She is eye candy. Yes. And, you know, some of the shots are just gratuitous. 
but she's you know she's fine she's very likable uh-huh. as opposed to michael scott she is she's absolutely the 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 cast member you you are rooting for however she's the hero you don't really care for any of the characters they're just kind of going through the motions particularly in season one where clearly they just had episodes to fill and they were just sell, you know and every show does this self-contained episodes things that happen in that episode and have no relevance or ongoing uh link to the rest of the season mm-hmm. which is fine every show has that you know i can think of breaking bad which has uh famous episodes like the fly which is a 45 minute episode about a fly in a all shot in the one location because they were out of money every show does that it's fine so if you're really, really, really struggling for things to watch during this pandemic, <laughs> dig out a show that's 20 years old about a post-apocalyptic 2020 world. And uh, yeah, you could do worse. It's it's fine. No, I, I actually, I got a real soft spot for episodic shows and not just things like it's it's very it's very old school you can you can tell it's like a 2000s era show yeah and that's you know that's not a bad thing yeah it's also can i just say it's also incredibly uh society oh i don't know the phrase here it's very advanced in terms of its attitudes to women in terms of its attitudes to LGBT people, oh, right, right, you know, yeah. one so, of like the the best the the best friend of Jessica Alba is a lesbian, and they're very very open about that. And this is the year two thousand, man. Like things were different back then. So someone had their like twenty twenty, what's the what's the what's twenty twenty going to be like? Crystal ball out, and they were pretty accurate. Aside from like twenty twenty vision, man. The reason that society shut down, they were pretty accurate. Yeah. So yeah, Dark Angel, go watch a trailer on youtube and see what you're missing okay james uh, time has gone Oof, it has uh, if people would like to get in touch with seesaw parade how do they do that oh uh, please uh, please if, if you do please 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 uh, there's a serious lack of contact of all of this lockdown I know, thing. i'm not getting nodded at in the street anymore and um, please email me your nods of, of acknowledgement so there hi please email me your hello at seesawparade.gmail.com. You can also email Colin your hello. I've just emailed, I've just ordered a PS4. Ooh. <laughs> the, like, you are keeping the economy afloat. Yep. That's what we need to do right now. Okay, Our it's... job is to not let the economy collapse. Okay, James, keep going. Even if it means the death of most of us. Our job is to keep the markets alive. Um, email us your methods of keeping the markets alive at seesawparade.gmail.com. Uh, if, your mar- if your methods of keeping the markets alive and the stocks flowing, are are short you can tweet them at us seesaw parade uh, what sacrifices are you willing to make for the economy uh, tweet us the two members of your family and our friends that you're willing to sacrifice to keep yes um, the economy rolling in name full name tweet them at us uh, at seesaw parade okay james stay safe i'll see you next week for episode 199 oh wow this is going to be such a non-occasion 200 is going to be such a non-occasion i know i'm very sad about that okay all right see you later uh yeah cheers see you colin and uh prince uh, prince charles bye also the like listeners goodbye but seriously prince charles just leave <laughs>